Arjuna Vacha, Sena Yorubayurma, J. Ratyam Stapaya Mechuta, Yavane Tan Rikseham, Yodu Karma Navastitan. Arjuna said, O infallible one, please draw my chariot between the two armies, so that I may see those present here who desire to fight, and with whom I must contend in this great trial of arms. Omajana Trimanandasya, Janajana Salakaya, Chakshur Militanyena, Tasmai Shri Guru Vedamaha. I was born in the darkness of ignorance, but my spiritual master has opened my eyes with the torchlight of knowledge. I offer my most respectful obeisances unto him. Going back to text 20. At that time, Arjuna, the son of Pandu, seated in the chariot bearing the flag of Hanuman, took up his bow and prepared to shoot his arrows. O king, after looking at the sons of Triturastra drawn in military array, Arjuna then spoke to Lord Krishna these words. Arjuna's victory is assured. And verse 20 speaks to that surety. As we discussed last week, both Arjuna and Lord Krishna blew their transcendental conch shells. I came across, just to give you a a glimpse into the surety of Arjuna at this stage. I'm going to read something from uh, Tripurari Swami's uh, commentary on Bhagavad Gita, commentary on text 18, to give you just a sense of how powerful the sound vibration, that transcendental sound vibration, from Krishna's conch shell is. And... In his commentary, he relates from the Skanda Purana, one of the histories, Avanti Kanda, description of what happens, what happened when Lord Krishna went to retrieve the son of his teacher, Lord Krishna, just to teach society, he also went to school. And the school he attended was a Gurukula. Rukula meaning for some period of time as a young man uh, a student will go under the uh, tutelage of a guru to be taught the Vedas and how to conduct life towards a spiritual objective. Generally after you complete your education you, you pay homage to your teacher. So Krishna being a, a dutiful student he went to his, his instructor and he said what would you like? At that time, his teacher requested that one of, his, one of his sons had died. He requested Krishna, could you bring back my son? He knew how powerful God was, so he didn't ask just for some small thing. Krishna said, fine, and we went to recover the son. It's related. The Skanda Puranda of Antikanda describes some of the details of this event thus. The hell-known as Asipatra, Van, lost the sharp sword-like leaves on its trees, and the hell named Rurava became free of its Ruru beasts. The Bhairava hell lost its fearfulness, and all cooking of people stopped in the Kumbhipaka hell. Their sinful reactions eradicated all the inhabitants of hell attained liberation and entered the spiritual world. I just relayed that. This is when Krishna went to fulfill a desire of his teacher. 
Oh, when he, when Sandy Yeah, Dhritarashtra. It is well known that when Krishna went to the gates of hell to retrieve his guru's son, he blew his mighty conch and stopped all the suffering therein. This verse 20, we can see from what's related here. First of all, Krishna and Arjuna are riding on a transcendental chariot that's been provided by the sun god. Arjuna's chariot is marked by the flag of Hanuman. And his chariot driver is Lord Rama, Krishna. He knows that his side will be victorious. So then he's asking, well, I know I'm going to win the battle. I got Krishna here. I have, uh, I have every, everything's going in my favor. So let me see who's going to fight. Who's going to fight in this great battle? He asked Krishna, please, you draw my chariot up between the two armies. So Arjuna had no fear at this point. Uh, another important thing that's related from verse 20 is the reference to Lord Krishna as Hrishikesha, master of the senses. Within this world, what happens if we gain mastery over our senses? If we don't allow our senses to drag us, but we master our senses, what's the result of that? We become lords of the world. The position of lords of the world means what? We have victory over the illusion of material existence. The illusion of material existence is created for us because the senses drag us here and there. We're pulled to try to enjoy in some way on this material plane. If we can rein in the senses, we become masters of the world. Then the world is, we're not subjected any more to fear and pain. Fear is always there because we don't know what the reaction is going to be to our activities. We don't know what, what lies ahead. And as the senses drag us and control us, we actually are, are helpless within this world. That's why all the great systems of spiritual life entail a discipline whereby the senses are not allowed to run free. There is some reigning in of the senses. And if we become perfect in that task of reigning in the material senses, then we, we truly become masters of our own destiny. In that condition, we're no longer sub subject to the illusions of material existence. The illusion that I'm the greatest that I can enjoy here, that I'm going to live forever. We realize our true position. That's all gained by mastery of the senses. So this addressing Krishna as Rishikesha, the master of the senses, the supreme, we, are ma we can become masters of our senses and the local, localized in this body. Well, Krishna is the master of everyone's senses. There's nothing that we experience in existence that isn't the result of the energy of the Supreme, the various potencies. Parashya Saktir, Vividaiva Sruyate, all the different things that we experience, the hearing, seeing, smelling, tasting, touching, everything that's coming in through the knowledge acquiring senses is coming in through the various potencies of the Supreme Lord. So he's truly the master of everyone's senses. The objective of our 
existence should we become at least master of our senses so that we can realize our spiritual existence. Text 21 that we chanted in 22 speaks to the, a very unique situation. Krishna, the Lord, is addressed here as infallible, achuta. So one would ask, naturally, how does the infallible, the perfect, become a charioteer on the material plane? How is that possible for God to become a chariot driver? By choice. By choice. But what drives him to that? Arjuna's devotion? Yes. We're talking about a level of love here between the Lord and his friend, Arjuna. And that friend has such love for the Lord that the Lord is willing, the infallible Lord is willing to appear fallible by becoming the servant of his friend. The highest level of devotion is also spoken of in these verses. So the infallible is becoming subordinated by love. And he's becoming the charioteer of Arjuna. And it's pointed out that this particular quality of Krishna's, his affection for his devotees, is the foremost of his qualities. So we're seeing here the topmost level of an expression of appreciation by the Supreme Lord for his devotee in taking the position of charioteer. Arjuna says in the 23rd verse, Let me see those who have come here to fight wishing to please the evil-minded son of Dhritarashtra. Sanjaya said, O descendant of Bharat, having thus been addressed by Arjuna, Lord Krishna drew up the fine chariot in the midst of the armies of both parties. In the presence of Bhishma, Drona, and all the other chieftains of the world, the Lord said, Just behold, Partha, all the Kurus assembled here. Text 26. There Arjuna could see within the midst of the armies of both parties his fathers, grandfathers, teachers, maternal uncles, brothers, sons, grandsons, friends, and also his fathers-in-law and well-wishers. We can just imagine... Arjuna appears to know everybody on the battlefield. Not only that, but he's related with them. It's significant to note, when Arjuna drew the chariot up, he placed the chariot directly in front of Bhishma and Drona. Krishna's statement there, he says, Just behold, Partha, all the Kurus assembled here. I read something interesting in that regard. So text 25, that's the text. Just behold, Partha, all the Kurus assembled here. So, Krishna puts Arjuna under his mystic potency. At this point, Krishna begins to bewilder Arjuna. It's a bit of an irony that he pulls the chariot. And the commentators make mention that Krishna is, Krishna is doing this in like a joking way. This comment, all the Kurus, see, mm -hmm. see who's assembled here. <laughs> In other words, he's, he's going to let his bewildering potency influence Arjuna so that he can have this transcendental dialogue. It's important that we note that when Krishna comes to display his pastimes in this existence, all of his associates are spiritually situated. They're not conditioned by the modes of material nature. Arjuna is, is Krishna's pure devotee. 
He's a pure devotee in friendship with the Lord. So he's not influenced by the Lord's external potency the way we are. The way the conditioned soul is, is influenced. He's transcendentally situated. So in order for him to become bewildered, Krishna is going to have to personally arrange for that. That's what is happening here at this stage of Bhagavad Gita. So the bewilderment begins, text 25. Arjuna sees everybody assembled. Then he begins to express his illusion. Now what's the nature of, of our illusion? What's the nature of material existence? Material existence means that we are constantly subjected to, to the whips, this potency of the Lord. And there, there are six whips that the, the sages point out to us. Hunger, thirst, illusion, lamentation, old age, and death. Hunger, thirst, illusion, lamentation, old age, and death. Arjuna is being whipped by the illusion. The illusion of attachment. The attachment is brought up, brought out by Krishna by directly placing Arjuna in front of those on the opposite side who he has the most affection for. Bhishma raised him just as a son. And Drona was his guru in the science of warfare. When the son of Kunti, Arjuna, saw all these different grades of friends and relatives, he became overcome with compassion and spoke thus. Arjuna said, My dear Krishna, seeing my friends and relatives present before me in such a fighting spirit, I feel the limbs of my body quivering and my mouth drying up. I'll read Paul Paul's poor poor in this regard. Time, time, time. Huh? 37. Thank you. Any man who has genuine devotion to the Lord has all the good qualities which are found in godly persons or in the demigods. Whereas the non-devotees, however advanced he may be in material qualification by education and culture, lacks in godly qualities. As such, Arjuna, just after seeing his kinsmen, friends, and relatives on the battlefield, was at once overwhelmed by compassion for them who had so decided to fight amongst themselves. As far as his soldiers were concerned, he was sympathetic from the beginning, but he felt compassion even for the soldiers of the opposite party, foreseeing their imminent death. And while he was so thinking, the limbs of his body began to quiver, his mouth became dry, he was more or less astonished to see their fighting spirit. Practically, the whole community, all blood relatives Arjuna, had come to fight with him. This overwhelmed a kind devotee like Arjuna. Although it is not mentioned here, still one can easily imagine that not only were Arjuna's bodily limbs quivering and his mouth drying up, but he was also crying out of compassion. Such symptoms in Arjuna were not due to weakness, but to his soft-heartedness, a characteristic of a pure devotee of the Lord. It is said, therefore, Yashasti Bhaktir Bhagavachakinshina Savargunaishtatra Samasate Sura Harava Bhakti 
Tashya Kuto Mahadguna Manoratha Nasati Davato Bahi. He who has unflinching devotion for the Supreme Personality of Godhead has all the good qualities of the demigods, but one who is not a devotee of the Lord has only material qualifications that are of little value. This is because he is hovering mental plane and is certain to be attached by the glaring material energy. Text 29. My whole body is trembling, my hair is standing on end, my bow, Gandiva, is slipping from my hand, and my skin is burning. I am now unable to stand here any longer. I am forgetting myself, and my mind is reeling. I see only causes of misfortune, O Krishna, killer of the Casey demon. Next week we'll go over all the different justifications that Arjuna is going to make to support his decision that I can't really engage in this battle. One question. Yes. Did uh, Arjuna ever try to uh, try diplomacy before going to war? Did he? Oh yes, yes, they tried. In fact, Krishna tried. And he wasn't successful. Even Krishna was not successful. The other parties did not want to hear it. Everything that could possibly have happened to alleviate the war was attempted. And we have to understand the, one of the underlying principles of this battle of Kurukshetra, what really brought everything to a head, was an insult to Krishna's pure devotee. Uh, the wife of the uh, five Pandava brothers uh, was insulted publicly uh, in an assembly of... You would, you would think making a deal with God would, you know. First you'd have to know who <laughs> was know, God just, and accepting as such. And that's, that's nice on his God. No, no. But that's no. still a tall order right there. I mean, you could have the whole world in your hand, basically. Yes, Krishna can benedict you with <laughs> oh, everything. Universe, maybe then. <laughs> you know, who could not make a deal with that? Someone who doesn't recognize the significance of the personality of Godhead. Right. It's important to know, though, that the, the, one of the main reasons for this whole battle was an insult that could not be set aside. That in the assembly of uh, Duryodhan and his ministers, the queen of the Pandavas, uh, due to some politics in, in uh, the field of gambling, was greatly insulted. So much so that Krishna had to come to her rescue. They basically tried to strip her naked in front of an assembly of men. She was a great devotee of Krishna, and uh, of course he, he made arrangements that that could not be accomplished. But still, the fact that that was attempted and that, that offense was there against Krishna's pure devotee was very instrumental in bringing it all to this, to this point of the battle of Kurukshetra. So we see again and again that the affection the Lord has for his devotees, for Dupati, for Arjuna, so much so that he's willing to become Arjuna's charioteer, take what would be normally considered a, a subservient position to his devotee, is one of the Lord's unique characteristics in loving exchange. And this is the unique nature of the philosophy of Sri Shaitanya Mahaprabhu. 
that we're allowed entrance into an understanding of the loving exchanges the Lord has with his topmost associates and in hearing that katha, that discourse regarding Krishna's loving exchanges with his devotees, we, our hearts can become softened and we can be attracted to that level of spiritual existence. If we truly desire to end all of our involvement on this plane of exploitation, and because this is the plane of exploitation, our activities on this plane result in suffering. Now, the soul doesn't really suffer, as Krishna points out in the second chapter of Bhagavad Gita, the nature of the soul is not to be subjected to suffering. But when we attempt exploitation, it's truly not the nature of the soul, of our spiritual activity, to engage in those kind of activities. So we become illusioned. And that illusion results in a lack of knowledge, avidya, illusion. No knowledge. That lack of knowledge makes us accept things that aren't factual to be factual. We accept this body as our self. That's the first and grandest illusion. The, the unique nature of Krishna consciousness is as we begin to hear about the exchanges between Krishna and his devotees. Just like we're hearing here how Krishna became the charioteer of Arjuna. And we hear throughout Srimad Bhagavatam about all the different exchanges of Krishna with so many varieties of different souls and how they've become purified by his association and the benedictions that he's granted and the way that he interacts with those that surrender to him. And in hearing of these transcendental exchanges, we can be drawn ourselves to want to experience on the spiritual platform. And that's the unique characteristic even of this simple dialogue of Bhagavad Gita, which is the preliminary study of spiritual life. If we truly want to come to the platform of spiritual existence, we have to constantly immerse ourselves in this dialogue, in this katha, in hearing about Krishna. Now, hearing happens, questions and answers happen continually in life. Every day we turn on some source of news or some source of entertainment. We either absorb ourselves in somebody else's fantasy world or we absorb ourselves in the politics of the day, constantly asking what's happened. Where's this? Where's the tax bill today? <laughs> has, has, the, has the country finally rejected Obama? Are the Republicans going to continue to give away the wealth of the country to the rich so we'll trickle down and get nothing? <laughs> Constantly, we can, we can engage ourselves in so much dialogue. There's dialogue, which is simply village talk, 
Ramya Katha, and there's Krishna Katha. We have to be intelligent enough to engage ourselves in hearing about the loving exchanges of Krishna with his devotees. And if we are intelligent enough to take that course of action, that course of action alone, no amount of, of great austerities, no amount of great charity, no amount of, of so many other supposed purifying methods is as purifying for us than simply hearing and chanting about Krishna. Nothing else is as spiritually potent for our upliftment than hearing these pastimes, than hearing this dialogue of Bhagavad Gita, than hearing about Krishna's pastimes in Vrindavan, or Krishna's pastimes as Lord Ramachandra, all the other exchanges Krishna has with various devotees throughout the universe in Srimad Bhagavatam. So this is the essence of hearing this dialogue, this Krishna Katha, hearing about Krishna. Next week, I was noticing, I was, I was preparing for class this week, all the different names for, of Krishna that are brought out simply in this first chapter of Bhagavad Gita. So we're going to pull all those out and go over those names. Achuta, Rishikesha, Madhava, Govinda, Madhusudana, Krishna, chant, even in this first chapter of Bhagavad Gita, all the different characteristics, not all of them, we could never actually catalog all of Krishna's characteristics. It's impossible. But even in this beginning chapter of Bhagavad Gita, so many of Krishna's names are brought out. All these names speak to his various spiritual characteristics. 51. Mm -hmm. So, uh, I'm not sure if I'm ready for that. You know, you're just like saying that we should be so attracted to those pastimes between Krishna and his devotees, but, you know, just looking at the situation, you know, in first place, Krishna, you know, just like is so obedient to his devotee, and that's so nice, you know, to, to see that Lord can be your charioteer, you know, and do everything what you need, uh, you know, just for your, for your, how to say, to accommodate your needs or something like that. But on the other hand, it's just like torturing Arjuna emotionally. So it's just like, you know, giving candy, and when you, you want to take it, it just slaps your hand. And so I don't know if uh, the second portion is so attractive to me if I want to worship your God. What kind of personality yeah. is that? But Arjuna you know, wants to serve him. Well, of course, you know, he wants to serve him, but, uh, you know, if you want to serve me, serve me, it doesn't mean that I need to torture you emotionally. That's, that's my point. So just like, to me, this is just like, wow, First of all, the torture, the lamentation that Arjuna is feeling is certainly is certainly real to him at this time. Arjuna, of course, as I explained, his position is unique. He is on this transcendental platform. So the fact that he is being temporarily bewildered by Krishna is, is certainly perplexing for the materialist that why would God put his 
his dearmost servitor in, in such a condition of lamentation where he's forced on a battlefield to, to fight with his close relatives? Or why would God put his only begotten son <laughs> in a situation where he's feeling completely and totally abandoned? And I'm sure if we look at this scripture, Bhagavad Gita, this dialogue, or so many other situations in all the various religious traditions of the world, we find and again we find again and again a recurring theme of of this nature, don't we? Yeah, we do. Where where the Supreme Lord tests the love of his devotee. Here he's testing the love of his devotee for our benefit. He's putting Arjuna in, in a bewilderment bewildering stage and it's very unique because Arjuna is already fully purified. It's simply for our upliftment that this temporary illusion, is, this cloud is, is placed on Arjuna, this cloud of lamentation and attachment to his family members. Under normal conditions, that would not be there for such a pure devotee as Arjuna. I would say that probably in the, in the situation of a, a Lord Jesus, Jesus Christ, where he feels forsaken, Again, the same theme is there. Apparent misery. Alad is also tortured. Yes. Haridas Thakur. So many. But are they really tortured? Not tortured the way we're tortured. We should never think that Krishna is torturing his pure devotees the way we are tortured due to our attachments to material existence. It appears so in order to teach us there appears to be something that we can relate to in that lamentation, in that desperation, in that physical abuse like Perlad or Haridas Thakur in the marketplaces. It's all enacted on the transcendental platform for those devotees. For Krishna's aspiring devotees, also, once someone comes to the platform of saying, from this moment forward, Krishna, I am yours entirely. My dear Lord, I want nothing else but to serve you. We also may be put in apparent difficulties, but those difficulties are for our spiritual purification. So for the pure devotees, the difficulties are simply there for the benefit of humanity. And they cannot be seen as material reactions. There's no fault on their part. These pure devotees are not covered by those faults of imperfect senses, tendency to cheat, illusion. They're not affected. For the advancing devotee, even though there may be some little taste of karmic reaction, it's just to enthuse us to get on with the task of purifying our heart. Does that answer your question? Or you're still not ready for it? Well, I don't, you know, I think that I'm an easygoing guy. You know, I prefer <laughs> the easy way than just, you know, go... go so what's, what's so hard? Immerse yourself in this Krishna Katha, you hear about Krishna. Come on, but... I, 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 
Arjuna wanted to serve Krishna. He didn't want to do anything else. And look what what happened to him. You know, yeah, well, you're thinking you're thinking Arjuna's Arjuna's lamentation and bewilderment is on the material plane. No, hmm. I'm not saying that he's on okay. the material plane. But you know, but still, see his reaction. You know, it's just like you know, don't tell me that he's enjoying it. You know, because that's that's we don't we don't see this in in Bhagavad Gita. You know, mm-hmm. so so why why you should not uh, give option? You know, to if you love devotees, your your servants so much, yes. why you know why not to make easier for them? Why you need to put them through? You know, this is a very esoteric science. The fact of the matter is, the fact of the matter is, these unique circumstances are the essence. They bring out the essence of loving exchange between the Lord and His devotees. Krishna's most Intimate, loving associates are the residents of Vrindavan, of Vraj. Krishna left Vraj after 10 years. Actually, it was a little less because of the calculation, right? For the rest, the next 115 years, those most intimate devotees were lost in a moroseness of separation. And that, we are taught by the great Acharyas, was the highest spiritual pleasure available. Could he return to Raj ever? Uh, we could, that's a very detailed. <laughs> he never left, but right, right. that's enough. <laughs> <laughs> but, bodily, that's I mean, not, but in his form. Well, we would never have the dialogue, we would never have the Bhagavad Gita without the conflict. And I'm, I'm assuming, I've just been assuming that part of your remark has to do with uh, uh, the previous interpretation that, you know, here, look, Arjuna, look at the Kurus, right? That, that, that would yeah, that, that particular be. He's teasing yeah, you. That's exactly what the Acharyas yeah, say. But what I'm getting at, what I'm bringing this up for is because if a director in a play or an actor in a play, right, looked at this line, he has a choice. He has a choice how he will say that line. He could say it in a teasing way, but he could also say it very compassionately. He has a choice. He could say, "Well, here, Arjuna, you told me to hear, hear, hear the Kurus." Yeah, that's that's, that's just as valid. Now you know. So is but that really? The, but is that the real motivation? The real motivation here, we don't know exactly what the real motivation is. But the fact is, is that Arjuna is really feeling. That's the real fact. Okay, and everything that he's been talking about is 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 our, is the gravity of this earth that just draws us into that. It just we we are completely bound. You know, we're just completely bound in our emotions. There's just no way. And then how else can we get out of it except for this? Well, these are also symptoms of ecstasy, aren't they? No. They're not. They're material, fear? No. These symptoms here that Arjuna's experiencing are the result of lamentation created by illusion. And so what so to bring that back to here, you're saying that why would Krishna put him into the illusion, right? I mean that's that, is that, is that, and, and why would he make him feel this yeah. Yeah. More or less. Right. Yeah. I prefer I'm sorry. Easy way. Right. Yeah. So 
Everything Arjuna experiences, of course, is on the transcendental platform because he's Krishna's pure devotee. But he's experiencing it as if he was on the material platform for our benefit. But so he's not really an illusion, but he is really thinking he's, he's in lamentation. It's yes, ma'am. Misery of the body and mind. Yes. I, I was going to say something that I was getting from it was that. Um, in order for Arjuna to be able to continue forward into this war and be um, and have this this discussion, he has to understand. I mean, he has to first start out under the illusion, so that he knows the difference between the illusion. And he has to be illusion like we're illusioned, right. or he, he won't, to, we won't become open to. Yeah. Directions. Right. Yeah. But we won't know the difference between the two if we're not. It's like it's like being shown that there's there's something out there, but but you but you just think that's what it is, and there's no you. I can't explain it here. <laughs> it's like you, you don't if you don't know the difference if you if you don't know that you're in and if you don't come yes. to that place where you're in the illusion and you start recognizing that you're in that illusion then you, you can't understand these other things. Right. Arjuna, Arjuna is prototype. He's prototype, somewhere. yes. He's told by Krishna that he's in illusion after this. But, but, um, but isn't um, hair standing on end that's in Gurvashtaka uh, and uh, the limbs of the body quivering? I mean, these are that's the ecstasy of the spiritual master in that. Yes. But it's not in lamentation, you know, it's not... The cause of it is different. The cause is, is spiritual emotion as opposed to... as uh, it's, it's, it's brought out in the text of all the Acharyas that Arjuna's lamentation is created by material attachment to his family members brought on by the battle, the scene. The whole scene here is bringing out material attachments. Yes. So even if the symptoms are the same, you know, or seemingly they are the same, the cause is different. The source of the of the emotion comes from different source. In the case of the pure devotees, which are not subject to, to illusion, that this is the, the cause is spiritual. And in the case of here Arjuna, because he is under the illusion, the cause of it is material. And so even if the symptoms look very similar that the cause we need to analyze the beginning of it, which is the cause and and, uh, and you know, by having understanding proper understanding we can we can say that the, the symptoms they don't reflect the real spiritual emotion. They they reflect emotion but which has source in the material attachment. But he's put into the illusion by Krishna for our benefit. Yes. Yeah. But it's not ecstasy. But he's face to face with God. I mean, that's okay. That's okay. He's still placed an illusion for our benefit. Yes. All right. Well, I have a different question. Could you repeat, please, how you tied in the Sandhikani Muni story with the text? I didn't get that. It's tied in so that we could understand the significance of the transcendental vibration of Krishna's conch shell. 
That vibration alone was so powerful that he liberated everyone in the hellish realm. Oh, it's conch Yes, it's conch So you were going back to last week or something? Yes, I was trying to point out the fact that Arjuna knew all victory was with him. Uh-huh. Up to that point, he knew, here's Krishna, here's Hanuman on my flag, here's a chariot given by Agni. My victory's assured. And later in the dialogue, Krishna also confirms that, does he not? Yeah. Yes. So, Arjuna knew. So, why would he, he... His total request, and why I brought it up, the total request to please place my chariot between the armies, I want to see... I want to see... It was simply due to his soft-heartedness and the compassion he had, not only for the soldiers on his side, but also the soldiers on the other side who were in relationship with him in so many different ways. a peaceful resolution? There was no question. At this point, there's no question. He no. knew there was no possibility. Yeah, he began to draw his bow. Yes, he's about to draw his bow. He wasn't like taking in there before he drew his He began to really, he was going to fight. No. If you have two armies on the battlefield, there is no... I was wondering about that particular verse, you know, where he brings the chariot into the battlefield and he can see everybody. Doesn't that in itself, because everybody can see him, can see God, in that in itself, you know, everybody's in victory? Ultimately, yes, but we'll get to that later. Yes, of course. It's, it's a very unique. Krishna, when the Supreme manifests a presence that can be perceived on the material plane with material senses, because really nobody can see God with material senses. Atashri Krishna Nama Adi Nabhaved Graham Indriya. With these material senses, we cannot perceive the Supreme. We can perceive material things. So it's very clear. Atashri Krishna Namadi Nabhavad Graham Indriya. With these Indriyas, we're not going to perceive the Supreme Lord. But just as he gave Arjuna the eyes to see his universal form, he can give condi- the conditioned living entities eyes to perceive his spiritual form when he comes to this pl- on this plane. Otherwise, they can't. There's no question of perceiving the Lord without purity. But some people knew that he was God and some people didn't, but they still saw his They form. all saw his form. Yes. That is correct. And they were all benefited. Me. When all the people were just by hearing his conch shell that were in the hellish planets were liberated, what to speak of those on the battlefield. Anything else? Thank you so I. Don't know if I can satisfy you. Though. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm hopeless, case. <laughs> yes. Well, we'll hope against hope. <laughs> Thank you so very much. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna.